0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the best hours of your sports week. Welcome to the place where sports opinions collide. This is another edition of the Dead End Sports Podcast. I am your host, 12 Kyle. We want to thank you for downloading, subscribing, and more importantly, share with your friends. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the best Sports podcast out there. This is dead End sports. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. You can find this podcast just about anywhere. We're on all of the social media accounts. Uh, we have Facebook account, of course, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube, YouTube dot backslash spell it out dead in sports. Uh, so there's no reason not to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, as I mentioned, this is the best hours of your sports week. Uh, this is dead End sports. Of course, I will not be doing this podcast alone uh, tonight. Rolling with me are the homies. Uh, first up, my man, BZ430. BZ, what up, though? What's going on, brother Kyle? Chilling, man. Chilling. What's happening? Hey, man. Uh, we, uh, golf, golfing. I, I'm I'm feeling some golfing soon. Hey man, it's just get. You know what? I think winter's over here in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> just, I think it's technically
1: over, man. I mean, I'm 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 feeling some golfing, man. I'm feeling. I don't
0: it. see anything less than 65 degrees going forward. We definitely need to make that happen. Yeah. And and also joining us, man, is the homie Ken. Ken, what's going on, man? Oh, I'm good,
2: man. Good. Just getting over a cold, but I'm I'm here and I'm ready to work.
0: No doubt. no doubt. Uh, man, a lot of stuff to talk about on this week's podcast, uh, man, it, it, you, could, you could start in probably 10 different areas, but uh, let's start first, man, with the big trade that went down uh, as of this recording just yesterday, uh, Boogie Cousins leaves the Sacramento Kings, he's being traded uh, to the New Orleans Pelicans, joining uh, fellow Kentucky uh, player Anthony Davis, uh, both Boogie and the uh, both Boogie and and Anthony Davis will be together in New Orleans side by side. Uh, this trade came out of nowhere, really, because uh, you know it, we had been told probably since the beginning of the season that the uh, Sacramento Kings were not looking to move Boogie. Um, so let's start right there, man. This is a huge, huge trade uh, coming on the heels of uh, this weekend, this past weekend's All Star game. Um, and we actually saw a clip of where Boogie actually was told uh in front of reporters that uh he was being traded. Now if you remember if and if you watch the All Star game, uh Boogie told the coaches that, you know, he was a little danged up, so he didn't play that much during the All Star game. Uh but nonetheless, man, you got two two of arguably two of the best big men in the game right now. So B what 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 does this mean to you? Do you think this makes the uh Pelicans a contender? Uh like, right now? Um,
1: right now. <laughs> no, not exactly. I think they still have to, you know, get a couple of pieces here and there. I mean, I'm not saying they need, like, another superstar. But, like, if they can – I think they can be on to something if they can find, like, a – kind of like a, a type of shooting guard, a small force, like a KCP from the Pistons. Someone that can shoot, shoot the three-ball pretty good and that can defend – that can perimeter on ball defender really good. If they can get someone like that, or if they already have someone that they can groom into, you know. I don't know how much they paying uh, Drew Holiday. I don't know if they'd be able to afford him, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. But you know, I think this is a this is a a, a good you know a good stepping stone towards the right direction. You know, we, we always question New Orleans front office, you know, making some decisions, and they definitely got over. On this trade and getting a franchise player like Demarcus Cousins, so uh, like and I think I tweeted earlier today. They pretty much have one A and one B of the big fellas. Two two best guys that play two different positions at power Mm -hmm. forward and center. You know, we always it's always been those arguments and debates who was the best big man between Demarcus and Anthony Davis, and now you have these guys, you know, on the same team, entering their prime of their careers. You know, granted, Anthony Davis can finally stay healthy. At a consistent basis, you know, yeah, I think that 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 you you set you set for the next 12, 13 years at that power forward and center. Now, at this point, it's all about getting a, a, a really good pass first point guard and, you know, some small force shooting guards that can shoot the ball mm-hmm. very well and that can defend. You know, you don't want no shooting guards that's not a good on-ball defender. Having someone having some wing guys that are good on-ball defenders is definitely important for New Orleans Pelicans going on out. Rather, like I said, rather if it's someone in the draft, someone they can pick up in free agency, or someone they can groom into that, you know. So I know they got Solomon Hill, and um, I forgot who's a shooting guard. Um, Moore? I can't pronounce his first name, but I think his last name is Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, Etwan, Etwan. Etwan. Etwan Moore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a shooting guard. Like I said, Drew Holiday, you know, I don't know if they can keep him or if they want to trade him and try to get some of those – Wingman pieces around mm-hmm. you know If you if you can get you a point guard that can just Distribute the ball because that's what you're gonna need a point guard you can you do not need a, a Shoot first point guard on this team with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins down low um, You definitely gonna need a pass first point guard point guard that can penetrate Penetrate the defense dump it off to one of those two big guys And it's also good too because you, you can also rest and alternate one of them Keep one of them in while other them get the rest and vice versa so I mean right now are they contenders? you know no, I think they' still on the outside looking in as far as uh, playoffs is concerned um you know so i I wouldn't go that far and say contenders, but I will say you know in the years to come because they still they're like one, two, three, four, they're the worst team. In the West, you know they still got some. They still got some work to do. They could make a little run. I mean, you know, depending because Sacramento is up there. Not, not that you let Demarcus go. I think Sacramento is like the 8th seed, um, or Denver is. So you know, it's they. I can see them making a run, but Denver will have to do some losing for the for the Pelicans to get in. But then you know, you get in first round, you're going to play Golden State or San An either Golden State or San An and get out in the first round. So. At this point, I would say it would be best for them not to make the playoffs and, you know, try to just, well, no, because they gave up their 2017 draft picks. So That's right. They got the draft picks. So for agency, I would say just bank on for agency, you know, and see what they can do from there, man. But, you know, I won't say they contenders. Like, to me, when you say contenders, it's like <laughs> someone that has a shot of at least making it to the Western Conference Finals or Eastern Conference Finals or better when, I, when you say contenders. So, no, I wouldn't say they contenders.
2: I think they can definitely compete, man. Um, I mean, we we all know, man. De- DeMarcus Cousins is um, is definitely top five talent in the league, top ten player in the league. Oh yeah,
1: at- he's top. He's top ten talent. He t- he's top ten. Yeah. Talent. Yeah.
2: Yeah, easy. yeah. 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 So you have these two guys that's counter to what the league is now. The league is spread them out, shoot threes. We're going to run up and down the court. We, we both, we know DeMarcus Cousins can shoot threes. He can work in and out, but basically what they have are two big men that can beat you up. Um, we know DeMarcus Cousins can beat you up on the inside. He, nobody can stop him. He's the best center in the league. Um, we know Anthony Davis is a freaking guard in, in a seven foot body, you know, and, and the funny thing I was listening to an interview that he said, man, he, he didn't adjust his game until I think he got to college. He continued right. to play as a guard. Yep, until or it, it may have play. been until he got to the NBA. But it no, was
1: it like- was. It was yeah, because uh, Calipari was saying that Anthony Davis was actually holding back offensively because you know when he was in Kentucky, he was known for being that that rim protector, you know that rim protector rebounder mm-hmm. that can also. But he and Calipari always say like, yeah, Anthony Davis really he actually held back a lot of his offensive skills in college. Because he was known for his defense so much, so yeah, he's always had the offensive game.
2: I mean, obviously, you know, four or five. Demarcus at the five, because I mean, uh, Ad at the four, um, Drew Holiday, and I think that's that's the big thing. That's the key for me, man, uh, is is that they managed to keep Drew Holiday um, at the point who's been playing great as of late. Caspi is a, is a is a solid three. So and when we, he's had a chance to play in Sacramento. He's put up numbers. So, I think, so, you know, he's not a name that most people know, but that's a solid pickup that they got in return. So, really, that two spot is the the question mark. And I think if they manage to keep Terrence Jones, they still have Monta Yunus. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with Solomon Hill, but they paid him, so they got to do something with him. And Tim Frazier was balling before uh while Drew Holiday was out. So they have some pieces on the bench that can come in and, and keep the party going. Plus you can stagger A D and, and and uh and, and Demarcus Cousins, you know, kind of the way they do in, in Cleveland. So to me, I think they can compete. I think it's really gonna come down to Gentry. I, I, I don't think the players he has fits the style of basketball he likes to coach. But you have two of the top ten players on your team right now, right. unguardable.
1: Entering their primes at the at yes. that.
0: Oh no so doubt. Keep in mind, uh, yeah. Players, Boogie is Boogie is what twenty six, and Anthony Davis is twenty three.
2: If they can get that eight seed, and Denver's playing really well, you're right, B. They they've been balling, man. Nokic is yeah. killing it. Yeah, it's gonna be tough to get that eight spot, but if they do. They get their day spot, man, and they rolling. They may not beat Golden State, but when you got forces like that, that can be a problem, man. And we know we know Golden State. We know Golden State can't handle uh physical yeah games they, like they, that. They soft
1: down low. They they yeah. definitely soft down low.
2: In the playoffs where things are physical, hey, that, that that's not a enough. problem.
3: You need balance, Ken. Yeah, Come it's on. not enough.
2: I know, I know, I know. I, but Drew Holiday is still there to kind of give them some perimeter.
3: Drew's oh, a bum man. that can't stay healthy, man.
2: If he's healthy, he's been playing good as of late. People though.
3: But look, look how how, how long how long is he going to stay healthy? He right. he probably might That's- exactly. He he's probably going to get hurt next week. You know, I don't want
2: him to get hurt, but I'm just saying. I mean, you know, it's possible. It's possible they don't have the balance they need, but. I, I think all the guys on the perimeter, if they could just do just enough, like if if Drew Holidays is well, we're, we're Kent, getting off into Kent, the weeds. But
3: Kent, answer this question: What are all of those guys that you talking about? Name me somebody outside of Drew. Uh,
1: yeah, I know. remember I was struggling. <laughs>
2: remember
0: I was I was struggling. All right,
2: all right, I'm looking at the roster now. So we have E Et- Moore. I I, I mean. He's a body. solid backup. Yeah, he's a body, you know, but he has to start if he can hit, if he can hit shots, you know, it's he's, not he's good. Not enough.
3: We we we're talking about Golden State that has the best perimeter offense. Yes. The, the, the Twin Towers, they're going to do damage because we see what happens with Memphis. Right. And what Boogie and ADR is a better Mark Gasol is Zach Randolph. So, they're going to get theirs and they're going to push, I think, Golden State to possibly six games, but it, but it's not enough. They need more balance. Next year, next year is the year that they can make some real moves. But this year, all they can do is just make the, the playoffs, show people that these two guys are dy- are a dynamic duo, the best big man tandem since Tim Duncan and David Robinson, since Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson. You know what I'm saying? And, and the thing is, is that we haven't seen two guys in their prime. Right, like, right. So, so if they do stay together, if DeMarcus does decide to re-sign with New Orleans, that's gonna be a problem. And remember, if CP doesn't sign an extension, he's he a agent. So he is.
2: Yeah, he he said he is. I think it's like two hundred million or something like that. Okay, okay. But either way,
3: they need them a point guard. A better, a, a more reliable point guard than Drew Holiday. They need them a shooter uh to space the floor. They need a three and D guy um to, to balance out that rotation.
1: Yep. Did I say said the same? See, I said the same thing.
3: <laughs> that's that's how you build it. See, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. See, everybody's talking about, oh well, you know, Golden State brand about it doesn't matter. Everybody has to find a style, and then you maximize that style because every style has a weakness. And at the end of the day, if you have two big men, then you have to balance that out with good, oh, too okay okay, to good perimeter play. It doesn't have to be exceptional because your front line is exceptional. Your front
1: line is,
0: see? We're we on the you, same page, people. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, the other voice that you hear is, is the fourth member, our boy FIFO. <laughs> I forgot to even introduce you, man. What's going on, FIFO? No, man, it's all good,
3: page. man. I, I damn near forgot it was Tuesday, man. <laughs>
0: it's all okay. Good.
1: We're on the same. I'm glad. Me okay. and FIFO on the same page, man. Yeah,
3: man. It, it, look, man. Them boy, Look, man. When I saw that, I said, oh, my God. Oh, my. <laughs> I, I think everyone said, oh,
1: my God. We all couldn't believe it. Like, yeah,
3: man. A lot of people was asking me, can they coexist? Can they hoop? Can they ball? What's it going to do? I said, look, man, them boys going to work because they don't have to occupy the same space of the court. That's right. the difference between like Nerlens Noel and, and, and Jaleel Okafor. Both of those guys need to be in the paint. They're not venturing more, more than eight to 10 feet away from that rim. Right. But both of these guys, off the dribble, can shoot and create and pass. They both have back to the basket game. They both have mid range game. They yeah. come on, man. And yeah. then I, I heard this crazy stat on SportsCenter that Demarcus Cousin has uh is utilize is the is the most utilized post player in the NBA. But he also shoots 36% from from three. So wow. so so that's
1: well, good you got for someone his size.
3: Exactly. You got a guy that can kill you inside and out. And A D kills you inside and out. AD's the rim protector, but Demarcus gets
2: bored. Like, man it's 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 gonna be crazy man. and on top of that fifo uh if you go to nba.com uh he's the number one clutch player in the league right now through 38 games Ooh, DeMarcus. Demarcus cousins
3: uh, see look look all of these advanced stats i i got i look i believe what my eyes tell me over stats um i'm not saying he's not clutch i'm not, i'm not saying that but i don't know if he's the most clutch player the most clutch player that I've seen this season, Isaiah Thomas. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I, oh, he can I, play. Look. He can. He can definitely play.
2: But I, I think there's still something in those numbers that could carry over in 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 New Orleans, and and I think there's something to to that, and it's something that a lot like not a lot of people don't know. So because I didn't know it, I was surprised to see it or hear it. But remember, this guy's been buried in in Sacramento. For, for years That's a good we point. don't get a chance to see him play.
0: That's a good point. A lot of times we don't I mean unless you just, you know, you got the league passed <laughs> you you really didn't see Boogie Cousins get down. Um so it's going to be interesting. So I guess really with, where we are as far as I guess the next question I was going to ask is can these two guys play together FIFA? You started touching on that. Uh how how well you th- or how well do you think they will work and mesh together and, and do you think it'll take long for them to to get it together?
3: Can't touch on the point. Um, not only do they need to upgrade their point guard, they need to upgrade their head coach because I don't think Gentry is going to be the guy. And I think, like, like like I've been saying, there's certain guys, especially Gentry, when you make a move like this, if it doesn't work out early next season, he's going to be gone just ASAP. Like, like he's right. not going to have a, a, a lot of leash. But um, can they work? Yes. How they're going to work? I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, because again, you have to, you got, you got to put AD in the pick and roll. You know, um, you, what I would do is I would definitely play high, low with them, um, pick and roll with AD at the top, put the markets down low, um, get AD to rock and, 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 and really force defenses to play them one-on-one. Because you cannot play them one-on-one. They're going to dominate the majority of their matchups. And now it's kind of pick your poison. So that that's what I would probably do. Obviously, you need guard penetration and shooting to space out the floor. Because then what, what's going to happen is they're just going to collapse. But um, I, I don't know what Gentry has up his sleeve. because And you alluded to it a little bit as well. Where this is not the squad that... This is not the style of play that Gentry... Wants to coach right, and I think this happened also in LA when you could have brought back Phil Jackson or you could have got DeAntoni. And Bus and Cupchak went and got DeAntoni because they wanted to bring back Showtime Lakers, but that's not what the roster was built for. So, if you're going to get DeAntoni, then you got to build a DeAntoni roster because we see what he's doing in Houston, the man can coach, but you got to play his style. This is not Gentry style. So I I, I don't know what's going to happen, but you got to get a coach in there that can maximize these guys.
0: That's a good point. And hopefully, and one thing that people have to keep in mind too, is that uh, Boogie with another full year on his deal, they have more time. And, and that speaks to what you were saying, FIFO, if Gentry can't turn it around, it's going to be a quick turnaround for Gentry because, You've got until at least at the very at the very latest until the next until the trade deadline next season. So it's not like you know they can they they will have enough time to figure out and see if these two guys can play together and how their games mesh and more importantly if they can surround them with other talent. Um, B, what's your take on that? The two of them playing together.
1: Um. Yeah, I think that. Was, yeah, that was the first thing I was thinking when that trade actually happened. I was like, well, you know. Like FIFO mentioned earlier, they both can do so much. They're not like have to be on the block all the time or both clogging up the paint all the time. One can, Either one of them can kind of fade out a little bit, you know, to that 15 to 18 footer and, and vice versa. So I'm always thinking like it's really dependent on, I guess, the like people, people say it too. And I mentioned that guard play, man, it's really – if, if mm-hmm. I think if they can get a good point guard <laughs> – you know that can that can distribute the ball. <laughs> you do not need no shoot first point guard with those big guys down there, man. With both of those, I think it just really depends on that. I think they would, they definitely can make it work. I, I'm pretty sure both of those guys playing former Wildcats. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> guys. Right. Uh, you know Kentucky Wildcats. I'm pretty sure they like, yo, man. We got they thinking like, yo, we can make this shit work, man. We gotta make it work. I, it just, I just don't really know. I, 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 I hope it does. I mean, cause we really need some stuff like this. I love when stuff like this shake up the NBA. I really do. I love it. So, um, yeah. I mean, it just really depends on that guard play, man. Because you know, if you really, ha- if you, if we don't, if they don't have good guard play, it's gonna be hard for them to kind of do their thing, man. You know, and not saying
0: that they are not gonna get along, mm-hmm. it, just, it just won't work out at the end of the, at the end of the day. So and you mentioned you mentioned Holiday earlier. I think, and I was just looking here at the numbers. I think under the cap, I think they have enough to sign him. I think that's going to be important, you know, unless they can find someone that's serviceable. But like you said, in that kind of offense, you don't really necessarily need a shoot-first guy. You need somebody that's going to make sure, like people said, that the high-low game, really getting both guys in I mean, like, people don't understand, and this speaks to what Ken just said. I mean, Boogie's averaging 28 and 11. I mean, like – He's averaging 28 points and we don't see him on a night to night basis. You know, the Kings games aren't ever <laughs> featured on, you know, the Saturday night NBA uh, NBA game. So we're going to really get a chance to see these two guys blossom, at least for the next year or so. And and if it does, not I, I, I haven't seen anything to let me think that it wouldn't work. But if for some reason it doesn't and then keep in mind, they got fish heads. They gave up fish heads and rice to get him. So it's not like if it didn't work, at the very least they could trade him for more pieces to put around Anthony Davis since he is the uh the, the centerpiece. Um now the flip side of this man is the Kings. <laughs> um it's funny, man, to me, because when I think about the Kings, other than that run that they had with uh Chris Weber and uh Paja Baby. and Bibby and those guys. Like, the Kings are one of those teams that at least, like, for me, and I've been watching basketball since 1980, they suck, like, all the time. Like, you know, I mean, up until the Golden State had this run these last few years, I could say that about Golden State, too. But, I mean, the I, what happened here, man? I mean, like, and we heard the audio from Vlade Divac. He made it – he said verbatim that he had a better deal on the table two days ago, or at least prior to the trade. So – I wonder you know, what that deal was. Ah, man. You on. know, he, here's the here's the funny thing, B and I don't know if you guys heard this, but there was a proposal for um, Andre Drummond. Oh, I knew that. I knew that. And he yeah. shut it down. I, I mean, so yeah. So so think about it. And and FIFO when we were texting, we heard about it, FIFO said something that I thought was key, like that you never really get the value, you know, value for value, especially when you're talking about star for star. But I mean, if you let Boogie go, at the very least you would think that you would want to get a guy like Andre Drummond, you know what I mean? I mean, and so they get Buddy. I will
1: welcome cousins to the Pistons.
0: <laughs> day. He got the attitude as well, man. He'll he'll fit the Pistons perfect. So let let's start there, man. B, how would you grade this? What, what grade would you give the Kings, man? I'm giving them an F, and I really don't have much else. Yeah, to say. I mean, like I give them a fat F. I was, what was I, what was I listening to? Someone went
1: down the line of like. All the dumb decisions Kings have been making, you know, since the since they broke up the whole Weber blind since that era was over. Like they've been they've been making some stupid like passing up on players, picking Jimmy Jimmer for debt. He ain't peeing and pan out. It was i I forgot who I was listening to, but man, they, they were just listing all the stupid stuff the Kings were doing. So yeah, I would definitely give this a, a F an F minus. I mean, unfortunately. You know, for them getting Tyree Evans, he's coming back to the Kings. But right. you know, he he it's almost kinda like saying he's a bust because he he started off like that dude, man. Like we really thought that Tyree Evans was gonna be mm-hmm. a force in the NBA, man, and being like a good multi multi position point guard, shooting guard, small forward type player, but it's just not paying out. He can't stay healthy, just like Drew Holiday, just can't stay healthy. Um, but yeah, I think on the Kings side, yeah, I would give this a a flat out, a flat out F on the Pelican side. Oh yeah. As of right now on paper, they, they, you know, they got an A, you know what I'm saying? It's looking good for them. You didn't put, you put together two, what we always say is two, probably the best big guys in the league right now. And, and one A and one B with, uh, AD and, uh, cousins. So they definitely get an A on that side. It's just, they just got to put the right pieces around them. They on to something. But um, yeah, Kings definitely. They 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 get a low low, a low grade for this <laughs> for that trade.
0: What about you, FIFO? Uh, how are you grading this for the Kings? I give them a D
3: plus, and the reason why I'm giving them a D plus is when it comes to trades in the NBA, it's all about timing. Because, mm-hmm. like I said in the text message thread, you're you're never gonna get equal value. Somebody's gonna win. Somebody's gonna lose. Because that's just business, right? Like somebody's always going to have leverage. And the, the longer you keep a disgruntled player, the less leverage you have. Because time is against you. Because that contract is going to expire. Therefore, giving that player more leverage. Therefore, the organization does not have the leverage. Especially when you have somebody like Boogie that is an exceptional talent. If you... And and, and the, the hardest thing is for an organization to be true to themselves. We have not maximized Boogie. We haven't put a team around Boogie. You know what? We're not going to win with Boogie. So we need to get rid of Boogie so that way we can get more assets down the line and hopefully build for the future. If they would have made this trade a year ago, I've been saying that they needed to trade the Marcus Cousins. They would have got a lot more. And just like you alluded to, Kyle, Vladi said he had more on the table 2 days ago and the closer that he kept getting you, now in this instance it's it's kind of Russian roulette because you may have waited and somebody would have got maybe would have got desperate and you could have maybe got a better deal right. but if you were realistic with yourself and traded him a year ago they would have got a lot more so with getting two picks in this draft a first and a second the the, the second pick doesn't really doesn't really pan out too much typically. But having two picks in this draft, Sacramento's going to get a top pick in this loaded draft. They're going to have two picks in this draft. Hopefully, for Sacramento's sake, the, the the Pelicans don't make the playoffs. So that way they have two lottery picks in this draft. If that happens, that's why I'm giving them the plus. Because now you have Buddy Heald, which is a rookie struggling, stayed four years in college. We don't know what he's going to beat. Now, Vivek Ranadeve, I think I think he's off a little bit because he's saying that he thinks Buddy Heald <laughs> has... Just a little? <laughs> a, a lot. He, he wants to play four on five. And four on five. Has, yeah. And he thinks Buddy Heald has Steph Curry potential. I don't think he has Steph Curry potential, but I think he could be a solid player. I was never high on Buddy Heald. It's recorded, documented on this show. Either way, he's a young player that can mature to be at least a solid pro. You get two picks this year. You know you're still going to be bad next year. So you're going to get another pick and another good draft so you can actually accumulate talent the same way Philly did. So that's why I'm giving it a plus. Now, if Buddy Heald was better, I would have gave this a C, maybe a B. But because Buddy Hield is not even averaging ten points, because the Marcus made and shoots a better percentage from three than Buddy Hield, that's the reason why
2: I have to give it a D plus. Man, I'm <clears throat> I'm gonna give it a C.
0: Wow, you you grading on a curve.
2: <laughs> Look, um, maybe I am. A lot of people are bashing the Kings for this trade. It doesn't make sense. When I saw it, I was like, that's ridiculous. They're not going to do that. Who would do that? That's a, a stupid. Okay, well, the Kings would do that, and they did it. But when you look at this franchise, and, and, you know, for those that have been following the show, and I know you guys know I'm a big-time uh, Boogie Cousins fan, I despise what they've done with him since he's been there. You know, I, I always go back to, and this was kind of the, the basis for my argument, that time we had that big discussion when they had Mike Malone and they were like nine and six and they were winning games and cousins was botting into the system. He got hurt. They, by the time he came back, they were like 11 and 16 or 11, 18 or whatever. And then they fired Mike Malone and that was a waste of season. They have wasted this guy's talent for the, for the whole time he's been there. So for the Kings, you already know, what you have with him, you already have, you've you've already proven that you can't put a team around him. And it's just a relationship that's just not going to work. He loved the city of Sacramento and he wanted to be there. But everything that the organization has done up to this point hasn't helped him maximize his his potential in terms so they of,
1: haven't won 35 games since he's been drafted by him
2: and, and and it's crazy and and look cousins is not lebron cousins can't step on a court and make everybody make bums in, into serviceable players into a winning record lebron's that unique we've only seen one of him. um so you need pieces you need other pieces around him they haven't put another star that I know of around him since he's been there. Look, let's start over. You've, you've gotten yourself out of a $200 million extension. You've gotten rid of a player that the city loved and loved to hate, that um, players, is rumored, didn't like playing with him and he's destroyed locker rooms so now at this point you got buddy hill with the owner loves him i i, I believe in buddy hill i, I think buddy hill is going to do some things but by the time buddy hill gets going the nba may have changed if he's comparing him to curry and he thinks he's going to do what curry's doing with with all of these big men that's coming into the league right now that that style of play may be gone but but you have draft picks and if you get lucky with the picks you have you bring in the right coaches you bring in the right uh, assistant coaches and the people on staff to develop the players you have, maybe you can do some things. But like you said, Kyle, they haven't been, been right since the Chris Weber days. They got a guy that's on the level and may be better than Chris Weber and couldn't put a team around him. And they had a formula on how to, how to do it. It's just, you know, amazing to me for me. I think yes, the trade doesn't make sense right now, but we won't know what the trade will become the picks will become in the future. George Hill turned into Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, you're not you're not gonna get equal value for, for cousins. Who's gonna give you equal value for cousins? Because the player that they may have that's his equal is probably they don't they don't wanna trade. So you were going to lose regardless. So I think that for what they want to do, I think it's a C. When you look at what they got back in return, it looks it looks terrible now. But we'll see what those picks turn into, and we'll see what Buddy Hill turns into.
0: Well, that's a good point, Ken. I mean, I think um, you're, you're right, especially with NBA trades. Uh, we don't know what the end result is until you actually make the picks with those. Um, I guess the frustrating thing is, and, and none of us are Kings fans, but the first thing, thing, the frustrating thing has to be for the Kings and that organization, and more importantly, the fans, is that like it's just been one thing after the other. I mean, like they've had players, they've let them go. I mean, keep in mind, just a few years ago, this team almost moved. You know, it took a a real bold move by the city as well as uh, Kevin Johnson, the mayor, a former point guard from the Phoenix Suns, uh, who is the mayor uh, of Sacramento, to keep them from moving to, I think they were headed to Seattle, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So things have just been going downhill. So anybody listening to this podcast who are uh, Kings fans, man, keep your head up. (laughs) That's about all I can say, because I I am almost positive that the ownership, and, and, you know, I, I listen to that clip of uh, Vladi Divak speaking to the media uh, I'm not so certain that that was his call it may have been you know the owner's call and and it just looks to me like the owner is a guy who like FIFO just mentioned you know who thinks he could be the next you know Steph Curry which there's only one Steph Curry so I, I don't know I hope, it, I hope it You know, pans out for them, but it, it, it does not look good for the Kings right now as well. And they, they seem to be the laughing stock of the NBA because they basically, this could go down as being the biggest steal since uh, the Lakers stole Pau Gasol from, um, from Memphis. But even in that, eventually one of those picks that they got from the Lakers, they got Mark Gasol, and they were able to have enough cap room to re-sign and, and make a long-term deal for uh, Zach Randolph. So while they didn't get any championships in Memphis, you know, they could at least say that they got something. I don't really see what the Kings are gonna get from this trade other than the fact that they got boogie out of the paint. So we'll see. Oh, can um, I I can go I, ahead.
2: Uh, I I need to amend that. Not not I mean amend that to a C. I need to amend that to a C minus, not a C. I'm sorry. <laughs> C minus,
0: C minus. Uh, you were listening to the Dead End Sports Podcast. I am the host 12 Kyle Jones by my boys. Beezy, FIFO, and Ken, make sure that you subscribe to our podcast and pass the word. Uh, moving on to the next subject, uh, the All-Star Game just happened this past weekend. And, of course, one of the biggest stories coming into the All-Star Weekend was uh, the plot of Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Uh, the two estranged teammates uh, were back on the floor together, this time in the same locker room, this time on the same team. Uh there was – and I think they only played like 90-something seconds together on the floor at the same time. Obviously, Durant was the starter. Westbrook uh, was was named a reserve. Uh, Durant had a lob pass where, you know, <laughs> Westbrook caught it, threw it down. It was a nice dunk. They came to the sideline, and the team, you know, guys started jumping up and down and clapping for him and everything like that. Like, you know, and then you saw comments on social media, oh, the beef is over, the beef is over. Um I don't know about that but we can what what do you what do you make of this uh, um I don't even want to call it beef cuz it's not beef. What do you what do you make of this discourse between Westbrook and and is everything healed from them playing in the All-Star game?
2: Absolutely not. And this is beef. This is beef, man. It may be one-sided.
0: <laughs> but it is one-sided.
2: I've never really seen this side of Rust before. Um until like now. I knew he had a high competitive spirit, a drive like no other. But this this chippiness, you in the all star game and you pushing John Wall out the way. You're really like you're having fun, but you're playing hard at the same time. You you like hit like four or five threes in a row. You know, you're 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 um sizing up Isaiah Thomas. You know, you're 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 Ding him up too, like he he was out there to win that game while everybody else throwing lob passes and having fun, this, that, and the other. That's what I love about Russell, Russell Westbrook. He was out there to compete. This beef, this thing with them is real. I know it's real with R- Russell Westbrook. This this whole lob pass, this, that, and the other, I mean, it's basketball. What's, wh- what's he going to do? You know, Russ is going <laughs> to go out there and play basketball. <laughs> you know, and I think even he said that. So I... A lot of it was media-driven. What's Russell and KD going to do? They weren't even talking to each other. So, But when you put them on the court, they're going to play basketball. That's just what they do. So I didn't make anything of it. But let me tell you something. That game, when KD went back to OKC, and when Russell Westbrook was going back to the bench, and he was yelling at KD, I'm coming, I'm coming. I knew at that, I knew then and right there, that Russell Westbrook is serious. This, it's not a game with him. I think the more and more this season has went along, the more and more KD, whenever they play the Warriors played the Thunder, um, try to run up the score and beat them down and show up the 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 Thunder because they don't have the pieces to compete started to really rub Russell Westbrook the wrong way. And it's getting to the point where Russell is tired of it. And his true feelings, he is letting it be known. Russell Westbrook got a problem with KD. Trust and believe what I'm telling you. The way he snapped at KD, that was real. This is beef. KD don't want these problems because that's not KD. Russ? Man, Russ ain't having it, man. And and, and, and throwing the alley-oop, throwing a pass and catching the alley-oop, that ain't going to solve anything. No. R- Russ is serious. And, and I'm loving every minute of it. Because they've been too nice out there on the court.
0: <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. What about you, B? Uh, what, what do you make of the, the two of them playing together in this All-Star game? Uh, nothing. I actually <laughs> agree. I agree with Charles Barkley,
1: man. Just, I mean, I understand you want to have the drama. You want to create something. You want to, you know, NBA is good for doing that. But just get over it. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm with Ken too. Like Russell is serious. I I love Russell. He's so he is definitely throwback. But I, I I gotta go with Sir Sir Charles on this one, man. Just just let it go. Let's just continue. You know, it's it is what it is. We know Russell had a problem with KD. He's looking at him as a traitor because you left, You left, not only that you left OKC, right, right. Not only that you left OKC, but you left him to the team that we were up 3-1 against that just won 73 games, you know. So I can I understand the frustration and all that. But just come on, media. Just let it go. I understand it helps the ratings for NBA. Let it go. I really, I honestly agree with Charles Barkley. Like I was when he said it, I was like, Thank you. Like I'm I'm like, I thought I was the only one that was like sick of this now. Like, yeah, it was cool leading up to the game when especially the game when um Durant went back to O K C for the first time. You know, the games there at Golden State. Okay, yeah, it's cool, but like I wanted to see when Durant go back to OKC like that's what I was waiting for you know that was cool and, and you could tell when Russell was barking at him it was almost kind of like a yeah yeah I'm coming yeah you a traitor like whatever you you got you you went to all those high power offense guys or whatever and I'm still out here you know balling and and I'm, I'm trying to put my foot on y'all throat even though it didn't <laughs> it still didn't help but you know yeah I'm I, at this point I'm sick of it I mean I'm you know I'm just I'm I'm, I'm sick of it in the alley hoop I even tweeted it the day before, yes, I think the the night of the All Star, or the day after the All Star game, when I was watching ESPN, and that was the headline, the 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 story, a freaking alley oop in a freaking All Star game, like really, that's the main story of th- that ESPN is, is 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 talking about. Like, come on, stop. Like, I, I I'm sorry, I was sick of it, man. I'm like, come on, y'all, it's, it was a freaking alley oop, Jesus Christ, <laughs> oh man, look at what, check this out. They was wide open, slowing in slow motion every time, like we ain't never seen the alley oop before. Come on, y'all, stop! It was sick so of it. cheesy. It was so cheesy, the, man. The, like stop. the
2: cheering was cheesy. I'm
1: sick of it. I'm sick of it.
2: I, I, you know what? I kind of was with you, B, until I saw Russ get at KD in, in, in OKC. Like it, it, a lot of it is media driven, and I'm like, okay, man, are you guys really gonna drive this in, in, into the ground? But when I saw him get at KD, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, I, I'm with you. The media—it's time for the media to stop. But I'm all for the action on the court.
3: Look, the, the, the alley oop in the 90 seconds of playing time—what it did was it broke the ice. There is beef. It's real beef. It is one-sided, and it's never going to go away. Just understand that. And as long as that's the as long as that's the case. The media is, at least for this season, it's going to be a story because Russell Westbrook is the story. If Russell Westbrook came out here and, and he was just having a decent season, 20 points a game, four, you know, five assists, five rebounds, nobody would be talking about it. This man is getting triple doubles. This man has elevated his level of aggression, and, and now it's pointed at a person, at A person. Russ, we've never seen that before, right? Like, Because we've seen other guys that are extremely aggressive like Russ, right? KG, Michael Jordan come to mind. But it was against everybody. But we know that there is a special moment every single time that Russ is going to see KD. What that All-Star game did was allow them to be more cordial, when they are around each other, because they're gonna be around each other at some point in time, right? I think Russ can give him the head nod now. I don't know. I don't even know if you're gonna speak to him, but he could give him the broad head nod. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Before it was nothing. It wasn't even eye contact. But now he could get the head nod. So, so I, I, I'm okay with it. I think the media is eating it up. I don't think I don't I don't think that they're overblowing it. They're doing their job. The media is trying to. Take a drama full situation and cover it. What what's what's the problem? What's the problem? It's not like we're talking about two bums here. We're talking about two of the top five, top ten players in the NBA. I'm perfectly fine with it. Now the All Star game didn't it's not going to change anything. It just allows those two guys to be cordial. Man, I love it. I love the fact that we have a 1970s, 1980s, 1990s type of player in terms of mentality still playing in this league and what have i always said kd gets a pass kd soft you know what i'm saying and russell westbrook all he's doing is exposing that every single time he gets every single time i love it because now we have a rival not not now now we have see it was just like hip-hop a couple years ago everybody wanted to be best friends you know what it's not like that no more, and I like it. That's what the NBA needs.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what, man? I, I think um, I think you guys make some great points. I think um, for me, uh, I'm kind of I I kind of side with B on this one. I get it. I understand what it was. It, I mean, like <laughs> it's funny because like when I saw the the commentary on social media on Twitter and everything, I was just like, it's an alley oop. I mean, what 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 was? Watch the play again. You know, Russ threw him the ball. Kevin got the ball on the block, threw it back up in the air because Russ made a cut to the basket. What else was he supposed to do? Nah, I ain't going to pass it. You ain't cool. Nah, it, it's, it's, it is it's what it is. Like you said, it is one-sided. I think Russell feels some type of way because Kevin Durant left without, you know, at the very least. And, it, and at this point, I, here's the thing. We don't know Kevin Durant. We don't know Russell Westbrook. So we're only left to assume what we think we might know um, based on, you know, their personalities. Russell Westbrook, by all means, has a reason to be upset. But I think at some point, you know, we've all played sports as time moves on, you know, you move on. And I think and may and and you know, to be honest, they may not be cool again until after they're finished playing some 10, 15 years from now. Um, but I think right now, I don't think it's beef beef as, as in like, you know, if they saw each other in the street, he'd slap them or anything like that. But I think, you know, I think, so. He I, I don't, you know, I don't think so. Kim, because here's the thing <laughs> at the very least, all we know is that they were coworkers. Now, I don't know about you guys, but
2: now nah, they brothers, Kyle,
0: they're brothers, you play sports too. everybody that you play with some, some guys, they all, they will ever be as teammates. Period, you know. I, it's funny. I see you guys more than I see teammates that I that I play college ball with that live here in Atlanta. And I see y'all more than I see them. And but that but there's a reason for that. Like we're closer than I am to them. Like I always, if I see them, I see them. They're, they're teammates, and it's, it's it's all love when I see them. But that's it. You know what I mean? Like all will ever be is teammates. We ain't you know we ain't talking about going and playing golf. We're not talking about you know hanging out or, or catching a movie or anything like that. And and. And that's not to say that KD and Russell Westbrook aren't cool, but we're assuming that they were that close that maybe maybe they weren't. I mean, obviously, if if he felt the need to leave, which he could very, you know, he, he had every right to leave. But I think now what I've handled, I would have handled it totally different from that. I don't think he should have sent him a text. He should have saw that man face to face and said, hey, man, I'm leaving. You know, that would have been the right thing to do. But, you know, that being said, I don't think it's beef, but I do enjoy the fact that the the chip that's on Russell Westbrook's shoulder is even bigger because I think we're getting more from him and then you know subsequently you know Kevin Durant has to you know he has to kind of eat that and Ken like you I enjoy the back and forth going with them but the thing is it's, it's kind of unfair man because Katie knows that you know on, on their best day they, in a seven game series they're not beating them you know Russell doesn't have enough people around him but what I took from the All Star game, ultimate of guys, is that Russell Westbrook feels like this when he puts on his uniform and it says Thunder on it. If you have a jersey on that says Thunder on it as well, he's with you. You know what I'm saying? And you know that he, and he feels like you're with him. And the same applied for that All Star game. They had jerseys on that say West. So, you know, for for that particular game, he felt like Kevin Durant was with him, but. Once the clock hits zero, <laughs> he was back to being a thunder again, and it's me against the world. And I love the mentality. I love the, the throwbackness uh, from West, Russell Westbrook, but you know, I, I don't, I understand why they made it more than what it is, but I, I don't think it's as big as, or as heavy as people make it out to be. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, particularly if these two teams run into each other in the playoffs. Uh, it's been one-sided. I mean, Kevin Durant's averaged almost 38 points against them. I think he's only missed like 20 shots, so he's shooting like 60 something percent against them. So it's not like he's gone and and you know falling off when he's played against them. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I I thought the media made a lot of it than what it really was. You know the fact that they walked past each other in the hallway, didn't speak, and I was like, come on, man, this it almost felt like like they were trying to make something that wasn't there. I is there tension? It could be. I mean, we don't know because, again, we don't really know them. But as far as the alley, like we said, I agree. It's a play. I mean, both made it. They made a great play. And, you know, it was one of a thousand alley that, <laughs> that we saw in the All-Star game. Um, moving on, uh, big news out of Los Angeles. Uh, Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak, the owner and uh, GM, were fired uh, by Jeannie Buss. And Showtime is back. Irvin Magic Johnson is now the uh, new—he was hired on, I think, like two weeks ago as a consultant to the Lakers. Um, And, of course, Magic was on TV and on ESPN talking about some things that he wanted to do. And then we get the news today that Magic is now uh, the president of basketball operations. They are looking to hire a GM. At the time of this recording, a GM has not yet been hired, but it's rumored that it will be— former agent Rob Palenka. Well, actually, Rob, Rob Palenka is still an agent. He's James Harden agent and uh, used to be Kobe Bryant's agent. Um, so there's the shakeup, man. I mean, Lakers fans have been complaining about Jim Buss being in the way. And I, I think from what all accounts, uh, it seems the straw that may have broke the camel's back was the trade for Boogie Cousins was the Kings made an inquiry to the Lakers. And apparently Jim Buss talked about it. Mitch Kupchak talked about it. But Jeannie and Magic knew nothing about it. So that could have been the final straw for those two guys uh, as Jeannie Buss fires her brother. Um, so let's start right there, man. FIFO, your take on Magic being back in LA. Um, it's about damn
3: time. It's about <laughs> time the Jeannie did something. You know what I'm saying? Because and, and here's the thing. Jim said that he was going to quit if they didn't make the playoffs in five years. Obviously, he didn't want to fire himself, so somebody had to do it. So it was just a matter of time. It was inevitable, especially the writing was on the wall when you bring somebody like Magic Johnson, a guy that stature, somebody that has that type of history with L.A., you know your time was up. You know your time was up. Um, And and I read an interesting article um, that... Jim Buss had a couple of favorites, right? Like Andrew Bynum. So he found Andrew Bynum and he wanted to keep Andrew Bynum. His dad said, do whatever it takes, trade whoever, obviously outside of Kobe, to get CP3. He wanted to keep Bynum instead of trading Bynum for CP3. So think about that trade, right? Everybody knows about the trade that would have been, where it was Paul Gasol, Lamar Odom, and all of that stuff. For CP3, um, at the time New Orleans was owned by the NBA. If they would have just traded Bynum for CP3, you would have Paul Gasol in his prime, Lamar Odom in his prime, CP3 in his prime, and Kobe on the on the beginning of the decline. That's the type of that. That's what a good GM does. Doesn't matter who I found. This guy's better than this guy. You guys are willing to take this guy. You know what? Give me CP3. Another person, Robert Sacre, Sacre took up roster salary and a roster spot that could have been given to Hassan Whiteside that also they could have made a move for either Kyle Lowry and or Isaiah Thomas. And they didn't like either one of those two guards. Plus, they didn't even want to invite Hassan Whiteside because of Robert Sacre. So, so. When you make egregious moves like that, it's been time for you to bounce, bro. It's been time because none of those guys. Name me one guy that Mitch Cub check. Matter of fact, name me a situation outside of when Kobe was still in his prime. They had Paul Gasol that they made a good move. They they have not made one good move. Mm. Steve Nash was an abomination. Dwight Howard was a freak show. <laughs> and then when you get LaMarcus Aldridge in the room and he directly asked Kubchak, who's going to start at center next to me? You don't have an answer. That's a problem. Because how are you going to attract other big name free agents when you don't have a plan, when you don't know that you can get somebody, when you can't assure a perennial all star, something of that nature? Come on, man! It's been time. Magic Johnson has the cachet. Magic Johnson has the pool. He obviously has the basketball knowledge, and I think he's going to do a great job.
1: I saw this coming when they had hired him as like a what a consultant or something. I was like, Mm -hmm. I was thinking something brewing. I think he's going to end up being you know like a full time employee for the Lakers, and look what happened. He and I think that's good because it seems like they finally have someone in office that cares about. Putting together a winning organization, you know, and the uh, busting and, and cupcake, they just, they just seem like they just wasn't they were in it anymore. Um, so I'm, you know, that's that's cool to have a a, a Hall of Famer, at what some people consider one of the you know the greatest Laker of all time, and Magic Johnson, to be you know to be heading the, the basketball operations, you know. It, it, now, hey, the clock is on him, you know. We see, let's see, let's see what Magic can do in mm-hmm. these next. You know, a few years or whatever. You know, can he put up a shut up? You know, he's he's always been the one sitting back complaining about, you know, what busting them not doing <laughs> and stuff like right, that. Right. So now it's time for him to put up a shut up now. You know, now that you got this position, here magic, hey, the, we we finally give you the keys. Now let's see what you can let's see what you can do. Let's see what you can put together, if you can put together a winning team and, and, and bring cause you know for Laker fans, this this is hard for them. This is tough, you know. You this is a historic franchise uh, that's known for competing or winning. You know what I'm saying? And for them not to, they don't even have a superstar. You know, if you look throughout the last, you know, 2025 20, years, you know, you had the Magic Kareem, and then you know, then you had the uh, Shaq and Kobe. Like you know, when they had a little downtime, well, not even gonna say mm-hmm. down, but they were still at least making the playoffs. The Van Axels and Eldon Campbells years and stuff like that. You know, they were still, like, post-magic. They were still at least kind of competing. Then you brought in Shaq and Kobe. And then, you know, Shaq ran off. I mean, Kobe ran off Shaq. And then, you know, Kobe had his hard times. His Smush Parkers and Kwame Brown years. And you got that. So now after Kobe's gone, you don't have that next, that attraction. You know, usually Lakers is always good for having that attractive superstar or superstars you know because you and you in hollywood you know you gotta have superstars in your team you and you in freaking hollywood so you know i, I think magic is gonna try his best to kind of put that bring that back to la because that's you know that's that's just is missing and as of right now they don't like they're going to compete for the next three or four seasons you know with that roster and they don't do anything to improve is improve the roster so magic is your time to put up a shut up brother well here's the thing right like i
3: what, what, what do I always say? There's two ways that you build a championship contender. You build it through free agency or you build it through the draft. The, draft, yep. the first move that, that Magic made was he traded Lou Williams to Houston for a first-round pick. So what that tells me is, is that he understands where the Lakers are. And you are in a position to continue to accumulate assets. D'Angelo Russell is on the verge of starting to become a consistent player. Brandon Ingram obviously was taken number two this year. Julius Randle, what a top five, top seven pick a couple years ago, mm-hmm. right? So, 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 so you're starting to have a nuclear Jordan Clarkson second round pick a couple of years ago. Still a young player, up and coming player. You get another first round pick this year. Obviously, they're going to be in the lottery with their own pick. Um, I think somebody owns it, but I know it's protected. Um, and, and, and then now you get the Houston pick as well. So so, so, Magic, What he's do, he's doing what a GM is supposed to do. You move assets that are no longer valuable to you but are a commodity for somebody else. Do you understand what type of move that is for Houston? That's a win-win situation. What does Houston need a first-round pick for? They are contending now. They need players. They need guys that's going to go get buckets. They got another guy that's going to go get buckets. And I'll tell you, if they play Golden State, that might be a shootout for the ages. But mm-hmm. either way. Let me let me digress back to the Lakers. Magic Johnson, is, I think, is going to bring some stability and some some foresight, man. I I think he's I think he has a plan. And with this move, as soon as he got in there, think about it, man. Bus and Kupchak have been in in office the whole year. What move have they made? Nothing. Magic gets in there two two minutes. Boom. Makes a move. You got to make moves and you can't be scared to pull the trigger. If somebody offers you something nice for Brandon Ingram, D'Angelo Russell and uh, 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 the the lefty Julius Randle, then you got to make the move. If it makes sense, you cannot hold. Because what did we talk about with Boogie Cousins? The longer you wait, the less value they have, the less leverage you have. That's just business one on one. Magic has been successful in business. He's been successful in other franchises. So, I I definitely think he's going to have the Lakers on the right track.
2: Yeah, and D'Angelo Russell's losing value by the game.
0: Um, (laughs) You don't like D'Angelo Russell, do you?
2: He cool. Uh, Magic, Magic Johnson's a businessman, and he's a Laker. He understands that culture. He understands what it takes to win because he's done it five times. You know... So he, he understands what type of players you need and, and how to build the team because he's played on great teams himself. And for me, like FIFO said, he's already making moves. So he has and probably has always have a vision for what this team needs to do. They have young talent. They have a head coach that they believe in. Now they have to continue to build on that and stabilize the organization, and and get it get it out of this free fall that that is in. If what B or or, or Kyle has said is true, that they didn't let Genie and Magic know about Boogie. That's egregious within itself, because if. If like people said, if they're asking for Brandon Ingram for Boogie Cousins, and we already know what uh, what Boogie Cousins is, we have no clue what Brandon Ingram will be. You gotta make that. You gotta make that move. Right. You gotta make that move immediately. It's good to see him there. He's always had a lot to say, and you know we've seen this organization um, be dysfunctional long enough, and I think it's time to see them rise back to the top of the league as one of the the top franchises in the NBA.
0: Yeah, I agree, man. It's just for me, just on a personal note, man, I think I I don't know if there's been anybody who's had the kind of success on and off their playing field uh, to this level of magnitude, you know, over an extended period of time, uh, more so than magic. I mean, other than. You know, that terrible, you know, late night show (laughs) that he had, the magic hour. Um, You know, magic's got more wins than losses on and off the court. So, uh, you know, he's a businessman. He knows what he's doing. Uh, What I think he does a really great job of is that he finds the right people. He doesn't even in in, in industry because magic didn't know much about movies or movie theaters or Starbucks for that matter. But he, he employed the right people who would who he trusted to to help him, you know, get to where he wanted to go as far as, you know, implementing certain things and implementing certain ideas and his ideas and his vision. And then it kind of took off from there. um, You know, so I think him being back with the Lakers is going to be fine. Uh, it's going to take some time. But I think one thing that the Lakers don't have to worry about is one, they don't have to worry about, you know, Kobe's contract anymore, which. You know, and we spoke about this, you know, on previous podcasts, which I, you know, I understand, I understood why Jim Buss did that, but I mean, that contract set them back and I don't know, we don't know if it was the unwillingness for players to play with Kobe, but for whatever reason, the Lakers have been stuck for the last three or four years and that's including the years that they had these last couple of years that they had with Kobe. Uh, So, you know, now you've got money under the cap, you know, there's not. You can't name too many players that wouldn't want to play in L.A. for the Lakers. I mean, it's not you know, like I said, it's not the Clippers. We're talking about the Lakers. So this is a you know premier franchise in the NBA. It won't be long before this team is back. It's going to take some time, but you know, you can already see like FIFO said, and I didn't even think about it. Till you just said this FIFO, like they haven't made any moves. And day one that Magic's in there, he's he's already made a move already. And and you know, there's. Still more moves that could be made, you know, prior to this coming Thursday's uh, trade deadline. So, um, you know, it, it, I know plenty of Lakers, Lakers fans, and all of them seem to be in unison in rejoicing in <laughs> at the fact that uh, Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak are up out of the paint. Um, so we'll see what happens with the Lakers. I want to go back real quick to the All-Star game. Uh, Much has been made about the competitive effort or lack thereof of the All-Star game. We saw uh, Anthony Davis go for 52 uh, points. I think Russell Westbrook had 42. I mean, he was cooking with the threes. Uh, Quietly, Kevin Durant had a triple-double, but there was very little defense or anything else played in the game. I mean, I think We saw one instance where Steph Curry actually laid down on a court, uh, and then a few minutes later, he got banged on by uh, the Greek freak. So my question is, did – what's that?
2: I said that's what his ass (laughs) kid.
0: So with that being said, uh, and I'll start first with you, B. Uh, Did the historic night as far as these guys, uh, their play, did it destroy what the All-Star game is, or or do you think it saved it? Save what? What say? Talking about the way they play. Yeah, as far as like you know what you think about it, because there's been a. I mean, like it seemed, and I, I know you guys saw the telecast, but it seemed like as soon as even from the TNT crew, as soon as the game ended, everybody started criticizing the game for the lack of defense. I mean, we we almost saw 200 points being scored in that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's starting to it's starting to turn into the the NFL Pro Bowl or whatever. You know, players make so much money. You know. You you don't want to you don't want to risk getting hurt in a, in a, in a pretty much a scrimmage game you know um yeah of course you know I don't want to sound like an old buggy but how it used to be back in the eighties nineties all that stuff but yeah it's just too it's money you know I mean if you if you a owner I don't want my guy I'm paying you know forty you know twenty seven million a year or whatever to get hurt in the meaningless all star game so I get it I under I I definitely get it yeah I mean it just it, these players make a lot of money now so it's just that's why we get, <laughs> that's why we get the product that we've been getting in the All Star Game. At least in the fourth quarter, usually you know, in previous you know, like maybe in the mid two thousands, early two thousands, mid, you know, they be playing around. But then fourth quarter come, oh, it, it, it's a real game. Like you, you got defense, you got the best lineups for both uh, East and West out there. But now, I mean, even though the game wasn't, it wasn't like a super blowout at that point. I, I was thinking like, well, maybe. They're going to kind of turn it up a little bit or whatever, but no, oh, they didn't turn it up, man. They were just still out there lollygagging, laughing. You know, I, I mean, like I said, I get it. They make a lot of money. They making a lot of money now. So you got to protect that investment. It, 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 it is what it is. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure we're going to be complaining. People going to be complaining next year and the year after that and the year after that because it's, it's starting to turn into a Pro Bowl game. I mean, the NFL Pro Bowl. And, you know, we we, you know how we all feel about that as well. So, it's just, yeah, it is what it is. Unfortunately, I, I hate to see it that way, but at the same time, I understand it because it's just, it's just too much money that these players are making now.
0: It's
3: not a, it's not a watchable game anymore, really. You know, I, I had it on because I'm just a big basketball fiend like that, but I wasn't really paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what it, what what it, what it's gonna take to change. I don't think it hurts or helps. I'm really indifferent. Um I think B brought up a great point with these contracts. You don't want to go too hard and actually risk injury in an exhibition like this when you got guys making 200 million. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I understand that aspect, but um yeah, man I, I, you know, honestly, I, I, I don't care, mainly because it's just an exhibition game, and as long as you get dunks and highlights and stuff like that, I think they're doing their job. Um, me, the basketball purist that I am, the competitor that I am, I definitely want to see these guys get after it, especially maybe not the entire game, but at, especially the second half, the entire second half, they should go at it. But you know, I, it's whatever, man. I I don't know what type of ratings they get or whatever, but yo, to, to each they own, Um, uh, protect yourself, make your money, have a long career. I'm fine with it.
2: It was whack. Um, <laughs> you know, I, like BI expected them to turn up in the fourth quarter It never happened. And I was I was disappointed by that. I mean, the, this this game is is deteriorating right right before our very eyes. And um, you know, much like Fifo, I, I was watching The Walking Dead, but and Fifo wasn't wa- watching The Walking Dead, but I was. But I I was watching the game in bits and pieces. Um, and even when The Walking Dead went off, I had it on, but I really wasn't paying that much attention to it. Um, like, because in all honesty, you can watch the game on Twitter because all of the highlights that you're really watching the game for will be on Twitter. So, um, so, and that's what, you know, you kind of look for. I look for the, the Tracy McGrady, you know, off the backboard dunk, which LeBron did, uh, managed to execute in the game. All of the alley oops were kind of boring. Um, so I didn't get it, you know, a lot of joy from that. And um, also
1: too also yeah. too, can we please stop letting Reggie Miller commentate these games? Oh please. my god. Oh my God. When he <laughs> asked who was
2: who was longer, I was like, did he really just say that? And nobody said pause. But yeah, um, just to kind of wrap up, man, it it you know, it, it was whack. Like when Steph Curry laid down on the ground, at that point, <laughs> I'm like, I'm done. 'Cause you're making a mockery of, of the sport. Why the why are you laying on the ground? And you know what? I thought that came after the Greek freak dunked on him.
0: Oh, that was before.
2: That was before. Like mm-hmm. so it didn't even make sense. Like I can see if you if you laid on the ground afterwards, that okay, that kind of makes sense. Haha, <laughs> that's a little funny. But that happened man, come on, dog. Like, come on, man. Like, stop it. Stop it. But anyway, man, yeah, man, the, the game's kind of whack. And, um, I, I, you know, I'll probably still have it on, but I won't be paying attention that
0: much. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I just, especially like what FIFO said, I was the same way. The game was on, but I really wasn't paying attention. I was doing stuff around the house. And, you know, I'd look up every now and then and see something. But, I mean, like, it's the level of competitiveness was gone um it just looked like a glorified practice and and i've often said this like i it's it's been years man but i can't i think like maybe right around that time where jordan and kobe were going at it and maybe jordan's final all-star game which was i think 2003 um maybe 2005 there was another one i remember with the the year that uh, uh the east was down by 20 and steph and and, and ai brought them back uh, other than that, you know, these last few years, they, it haven't, it has not been competitive at all. And what's, what's interesting that, and can you make a good point, was the score was close. I think the score going into the fourth quarter was, I think the East was up by like four or five. So you're thinking, okay, yeah, well, now it's really about to start cooking. And it was just more of the same. So, nah, if it's going to be that, then no, it, it really doesn't make any sense for you to tune in because – And I I don't know what they do as far as ratings either, but no, I didn't see anything that was compelling for me to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to tune in next year. Um, It just is, that's not basketball. And that's not what we, and and you're thinking, okay, if I get to see, you know, this is a few times, this is the the only time where you get to see a LeBron versus a, a, a Kevin Durant or um, you know, some of the matchups that you don't see. I mean, this is a collection of talent. And I think they're selling themselves short if you don't see guys go at each other. You know, I, and it's funny. It's funny. that I don't know if you guys saw the meme uh, of uh, Kawhi Leonard sitting on the bench looking sad, you know, because Kawhi Leonard is known for playing defense. And he didn't yeah. understand why all of these guys were out here showboating and nobody was playing no defense. And subsequently, I don't think Kawhi Leonard played a lot during the All-Star I could be wrong. I have to go back and look at his minutes. But, um, you know, he, he's a guy known for defense, and he was just like, okay, I might as well just sit over here since we just – you guys are clowning. Like, I, I'm not into that. So uh, they're going to have to change some things. I mean, it's, it's going to have to be more competitive because – and I, I don't think you can afford to wait until the fourth quarter because the game starts so late that you're talking about a game that's probably going off around 11 o'clock. And keep in mind, you've had all day to play this game and, you know, I understand they moved it to TNT and they won it in primetime. I get it. But, you know, if you've had a chance to have the game, and keep in mind, there's no other game on that entire day. There's nothing to keep the All-Star game from being played at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, they want to have it on primetime and get the ratings and stuff, and that's going to eventually backfire because people are not going to tune in, especially not knowing that they have to get up and go to work the next day. I mean, hell, the Super Bowl comes on at 6 o'clock. And it's over by 9, 30, 10 o'clock. So, you know, people still have time to enjoy it. But, nah, really wasn't feeling the All-Star game. Um, subsequently, the slam dunk competition. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say about the slam dunk. Uh, people, any thoughts the slam dunk competition? You know, the dunk
3: competition, man, is, is one of those events. Year in and year, in, year out, it's not going to be great. But every so often, every two, maybe three years, it, there is a great one. The last two were pretty spectacular. This one wasn't. Um, and that's no slight to baby dog Glenn Rob or uh, what's his first name? I know it ain't Glenn. Is it Glenn Rob? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, Glenn yeah. Robinson in the
3: third. Yeah, yeah, ba- ba- baby dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, it, hey, he, hey, I didn't know he had ups like that. So he definitely surprised me, shocked me. But he wasn't doing anything that was crazy. Uh, I think what surprised me was Aaron Gordon didn't have no bounce. That 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 was kind of surprising. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, Derek Jones Jr., if you guys YouTube him, oh my god. And some of the dunks he had were crazy. Um, but you know, it, it's just one of those things, man. Like this just what this was just an off year. You know, Zach Levine in the last two years, he, he, he brought it back a little bit, but um, I, it's, it's all-star weekend, man. I enjoy it because I'm a basketball fan, but for the casual fan that doesn't, you know, isn't into basketball like me, this isn't going to make them want to watch the rest of the season. It's not going to necessarily make them fans of certain players. You're hundred percent right. The competitiveness. What these guys are doing, regardless if it's the All Star Game, three point contest, dunk contest, all of that stuff, man. It just the level of competition just needs to be better. um The dunk contest contestants, we need the big names. We we need the the the, the star athletes. It needs star power. It needs to bring that type of drama, man. And. I don't know how... The league can't force guys to participate in the dunk contest, but they need to figure something out to get the big names to compete, man. Because that, that's really what it's missed.
2: I had fun. Um, I thought it was cool, man. Um, you know, I kind of had fun watching it uh, and tripping out on Snapchat, you know, during the dunks. <clears throat> um, just kind of clowning around. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, I think for me... When they started missing dunks, it it took a lot of the air air, air out of the room. Seeing Aaron Gordon uh, not able to really compete the way uh, we expected and wanted to see was disappointing. Because um, I I thought that drone, like when he brought that drone out, I was like, oh, this is about to be crazy, <laughs> and it, it it nothing. Um, I really wanted to see more from Derrick Jones Jr., but. You know he started missing and and he he couldn't execute um, the way he wanted to. I, I thought it was cool, um, but yeah, it wasn't anything compared to what we saw last year. And I think that's what people expected.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't. I, man, I just I just couldn't. I mean, we grew up. <laughs> what? Look, think
2: about it. Yeah, we grew up watching Dominique and and Michael Jordan. Right. Sean Kemp, like we grew up watching, like some of the best dunkers ever compete head to head. We're Vince going Carter. to be disappointed, yes, Vince right. Carter. We're going oh, to no be question. disappointed. No question. It, it's, it's not, it, we, not, but that's the help. thing, Ken.
0: I, I'm t- I'm tired of being disappointed, man. Because like I don't I don't want to be the the old guy get off my lawn type dude, man. But that's what it it takes me back to. Like I I, I reminisce about you know eighty eight back in eighty eight when when Dominique won the dunk contest and it was stolen from him by Michael Jordan. Yeah, he won it. I said it. Um hey, you hey, know, you just as, know. As, as, is, Hello? Go ahead, B. Yeah, but I was about to say it's funny
1: because I, I was tw- I tweeted this, I think Monday. Yesterday. I was saying that, you know, you know, unfortunately at this point, like you said, Ken, you know, we saw some we've we, we witnessed some very, very creative dunks coming up. um, and, and I agree with FIFA too. Last year dunk contest was actually pretty, was was very impressive because Eric Gordon mm-hmm. and Zach Levine was doing some crazy dunks. But just from the side of that, you know, how much more creative can they get? Because I, t- I, I said this, at this point I want to see someone take off from the three-point line. Like, I mean, unless they <laughs> just do something that we've just never seen before, like, and I've, all, and I've been saying this for the last five years that I tweeted this, too. Just bring, bring some street dudes in. Bring those street mm-hmm. ballers in. Give them, hey, give, hey, purse is, 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 is you know, $500,000, the first place winner. You think them dudes ain't going to do no crazy dunks to get that money? You know what I'm saying? No These question. are guys that don't have NBA contracts. So, you know, $500,000 or even a million dollars, it's some good change for them. You think those YouTube dunkers or whatever going to do some crazy stuff? Yes, they will. Maybe for someone like us who probably stay on YouTube, we'd be like, "Oh, I mean, that's cool. They're doing it on on the big stage." But to someone like people said, a casual someone who don't really stay up on YouTube and know about these type of street dunkers, they' are gonna be blown away because they do some crazy stuff on them YouTube. So I don't know, man. Think something. That's the only thing I can think of to kind of make the dunk contest interesting. But you know, these players, there's only so much that we that they can do that we've seen already. You know how many. How many between the legs three sixties we gonna see? How many you know? It, it just it's so it's only so much that we gonna see. So like I said, unless someone unless the Greek freak take off from the three point line, hey, I'm all for that. But yeah, it's it, it is we we gonna complain unless they do something that's gonna shock us next year. We are gonna complain again and say, up, oh, it wasn't creative enough. We just, it's just so many. It's dunk contests been going on since 84 and in, in the 70s with Dr. J taking off from free throw line. So it's just like, it's, and we've seen that dunk. So low key, we've seen the free throw line mm-hmm. dunk too. It's just like, how much more creative can you get throughout these years with these dunks, man? So, you know, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, I, I said the same thing, man. And I was, you know, telling telling one of my boys that the other night as we were watching it, I was like, how likely are we to see something that we've never seen before? I mean, every now and then you, see, and and it it's every now and then you do. And so that's what I, I think that's the, the intrigue, like people said, the two or three years that make us come back, because prior to last year, I was done. I was like, yo, you know, and, I'm and Kyle and
1: mm-hmm. two, I mean, to cut you off, but like no, some of the dunks that, that, um, I think it was either one or two of them that Eric Gordon did last year or Zach Levine did last year. One of them was inspired by YouTube dunk, Mm -hmm. but you know, for someone that's never, that's a casual fan that don't really stay up on that. They was like, Oh man, did y'all see that? And I remember, I think I remember tweeting it last year, like, Oh man, I saw that on YouTube. Like someone like that's cool that, you know, Eric Gordon and Zach Levine brought that to the main NBA stage because a typical person is not going to check that out. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. Yeah, man. I, I think, I think stuff like that is cool.
0: Yeah, it, and and it definitely helps. I think one of the things that definitely hurts the dunk contest is the the mandate that you have to use props. I think if you use props, it should be based on whether or not you want to or not. I think they're making. I think now they're making them use them in each round or what have you. So it's you know, and like Ken said, it, coming up in the era that we came up in, we saw all of the great dunk contests, and that's not to say that we can't see another great dunk contest, but when you only have four guys and two of them start missing dunks, it's anticlimactic. And you know at that point it's like, all right, let me just turn the TV off. I mean, because it's you, you, it's just done. So unless they revamp it, I think we're gonna get more of the same. And you, like FIFO said, I think you'll have, you know, one great year and then four years that suck. And it's just, you know, are you gonna keep coming back? Um, I think probably next year I'll probably. I don't know. I probably I probably won't watch it next year. But um yeah, we'll we'll see, man. It it just if it, it wasn't, you know, shout out to to uh Robinson the third for winning, but you know, and I mean he he did, you know, some incredible dunks, but you know, they were the same dunks. <laughs> I mean he did, almost did like the same dunks like two or three times. So um last topic I have on here, uh we did not do a show last week, um, but like a week and a half ago, uh, Draymond Green made some comments uh, to media uh, with regards to the the interaction or beef or, you know, altercation that James Dolan – well, not the altercation James Dolan for the New York Knicks, the owner, uh, but the beef that he had with a former player – former Knicks player, uh, Charles Oakley. Uh, And, you know, it's been well chronicled that Charles Oakley was thrown out by – eight or nine security guards in Madison Square Garden, uh, and was temporarily banned from the arena. Uh, it took a phone call from commissioner Adam Silver, as well as Michael Jordan, who was one of Charles Oakley's best friends to get the ban lifted, a conference call between those four men, as well as Oakley and, uh, james dolan now oakley has gone on record saying that he is not going back to the madison square garden anytime soon even though he is no longer banned uh but draymond green made some headlines when he said that he thought that james dolan had quote a slave owner mentality." uh speaking to uh, radio he said that uh excuse me it was on his podcast a Dre day uh which by which i didn't know draymond green had a podcast but since he does we got to get him on our podcast <laughs> um but nonetheless draymond green said that um He said that he thought James Dolan had a slave owner mentality, meaning that, you know, the things that Oakley did for the Knicks uh, while he was, you know, an employee for the Knicks was all fine and good, you know, as far as his hard work, dedication, intimidating people, uh, those type of things. And then moving forward now that he's being and Oakley has been very critical about Dolan as well as the Knicks, uh, that is no longer any good for for uh, for them. So he, he used the term slave owner mentality. So, FIFA. I'll start with you, man. What, what did you What did you think about Draymond's comments? Was he Was he Was he correct, or was he kind of out of pocket?
3: Um. If that look, Draymond's gonna speak his mind, and I don't. I'm not gonna say that he's wrong. Um, mainly because a lot of these owners, the color is not the color of our skin on this show,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and they've been entitled. And when you look at the fact that you technically own a player for X amount of time while they're under contract. A lot of these guys feel that they can do and say whatever they want. And whenever it's flipped on, on them, they have an issue with it. So, so I'm not going to say those words, what Draymond said, but I understand where he's coming from. And I don't think he's wrong for saying it at all. Um, those, act, how do you, look, we we see, we saw the video after the fact. We, we, we didn't see as soon as Charles Oakley got there. But the rumor has it that he was only there five minutes before he was escorted out mm-hmm. in the video that we saw. So how can he get so belligerent to James Dolan in that small amount of time to have him escorted? So, so look, man. I'm gonna let Draymond have it. You know, whatever he said is whatever he said. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with it, but I'm not gonna say those words. I know Kendall, can, Ken, can, Ken, can, can, got it.
0: Can Ken, Kendall <laughs> break it down? <laughs> uh, B, what about you, man? Your, uh, your thoughts on Draymond Green and what he had to say about James Dolan?
1: Ah, uh, man. You know it's. Really tough when you comparing something to slavery because, man, slavery was freaking. Man, slavery was awful. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> slavery was really bad. So for him to use the slavery comparison, you know, nothing compares to slavery. Nothing, like nothing at all. Um, yeah, I can I can see why he can make he made those comments because you know. Then James Dolan wanna say, Oh, well let me bring Larry Johnson and Latrell Sprewell on there and and, and I think Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose made this point. You haven't invited Spreewell to mass Square garden in thirteen years. Now all of a sudden you want to invite him now? You know what I'm saying? So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um but yeah, you know slavery, man. Yeah, yeah. Slavery, man, it's, <laughs> you can't be you can't be throwing that word around there, you know, very, you know, very lightly like that. You know what I'm saying? Because nothing can, we we we've never none of us never experienced it thank god i hope we never will or it goes to the moment where we have to go back to it but um yeah man it's really tough i could i guess, I, I get it though cuz it's like the you know you got the 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 owner and you got all your, you know, your, your, you know, your white owner and all that stuff. You got your black players and all. You using your black but using your buddy, buddy guys to show. Oh yeah, you know James Dolan, a good guy. He brought other. He brought his other uh past players there. You know Charles Oakley. You know oh come on back. Then why would you ban him if he's welcome back to the damn? Yeah man. I mean I, I I get it. But yeah, like people said, Draymond gonna speak his mind. But yeah. uh, slavery can't you just be going around and comparing stuff to slavery easily like that.
2: Nah, you you can't man and and can't. That, that was just I, I think you went a little too far with that one. Um Yeah. Because, because you know, you got you got paid, bruh. Like you got paid and you can quit and go to another team and get paid there too. Uh slave master mentality is you can't go anywhere you're going to go on this court you're going to run up and down and do what i ask you to do or you're going to get lashes on on your on your back no now he may not have respect for black black people but even that's a reach i i I can't even say that i don't know because the man is around is around i I don't know I, i i just think that he went a little too far with that one and i think that for me if if Draymond needs to chill, yo. Draymond really needs to get himself (laughs) together, man. I mean, you, you're comparing, you're saying James Dolan has a slave master mentality. None of that came up at all. Like nobody's even looking at that. We're talking about a six foot eight black man that jumped on a white man, a billionaire, by the way. And everybody was on the black man side. (laughs) like, that's, that's where we are with this story. James Dolan was the bad guy here, not Charles Oakley. In this day and age, if you really think about it, this was a easy, easy moment for people to say, look, see how they at? See, look at them. They have to drag them out. It took about eight of them. You know, so,
0: <laughs>
2: but it didn't happen. And, and to be honest, I was afraid of that when I saw it. But it didn't happen at all. And for once, I was like, you know what? All right, go ahead, America. But then this fool comes around, especially with the way he acting. Because the way he's showing out on the court, Draymond don't need to be saying anything right. and comparing anything to slave master. Because the way you acting, I can see a lot of people saying, look, that's how they act. So you need to get yourself together, bruh, and control your attitude. Put some perm on your attitude before you start going out here and saying some crazy stuff like that that really honestly don't apply in this situation like that. It's just too easy, and, and I think he, he's, he's just wrong for that, man. I think the, the bigger thing that we need to look at is that we just need more black owners, and that mm-hmm. can happen. And I think LeBron's going to make that at some point. Will be owner of an NBA team. Um, Jay Z has been part owner. I don't care what percentage he's been part owner. Magic Johnson is is getting to a point where I think he may be owner. All of this, stuff, all of this wealth you guys are accumulating right now, be an owner. Be an owner, and and that's it. So Draymond, you go out, do what you need to do, and you buy your team, and that's it.
0: Hey man, you 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 hit the nail on the head, Ken. I think um I think it was it was a poor choice of words. I understand the premise from which he was trying to come, but I think it's problematic because Andre Mon actually kinda walked the comments back, but you know, a couple of days later, you know, and he, he started off by saying, I don't know James Dolan personally. Well, you know, you can't it, it's hard to really start throwing out racial overtones about people that you don't know. Um, you know, that's why, and, and, you know, it's cause I think somebody asked him if they thought he, if he thought that James Dolan was a racist and he was like, well, I don't know the man personally. And I was like, okay, well you, if you don't know him personally, then, you know, the slave master comment probably was, you know, a little bit too far, I think, because again, you don't know him personally. And, you know, if Charles Oakley had said it, cool. If, you know, Latrell Sprewell had said it, cool you know just like and we go back to the 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 donald sterling uh instance um you know we heard the tapes and stuff of what donald sterling had to say but then there were also people as well as players that could back up and confirm what they heard and thought you know and and heard him say so that added validity to the statement of you know whether or not donald sterling was racist and ultimately ended up him losing his team um but Draymond, nah, bro, you you're not even on this team. And like I said, if Oakley had said it, that'd be a different different story. Um, but I do understand the premise of, by which he came from because I think what Draymond is asking for is the same thing what Charles Oakley is asking for is the same thing what LeBron is asking for, uh, and all the players in between. They want to be seen as and as as businessmen and also be respected by these owners. That's all. I mean, they just want the respect. You know, I remember when Michael Jordan signed his I think it was the last contract that he signed with the Bulls um, his last year in Chicago. Uh, the owner famously made a statement saying and Jordan signed a one year deal for like thirty three million dollars. The owner famously said, you know, I shouldn't sign this contract because you're not worth this. That's bullshit. Michael Jordan's worth way more. He was worth way more to the Bulls than thirty three million dollars. But it was like one of those situations where the owner was trying to keep Michael Jordan down, and all these guys want to be—they just want to be respected. And I think Oakley wants now. Oakley had his opinion, and you know if he's critical of or has been critical of the the Knicks, I can understand why Dolan might have wanted him thrown out. But Dolan made a statement to the media that, or at least to his security team that. Like you said, if he was in there five minutes, they said that Oakley should not, that Dolan said that Oakley should not have made it to his seat. That means to me that it sounds like he's intimidated and fearful of Charles Oakley. Charles Oakley was just coming to the game. And he paid for, Charles Oakley shouldn't have to pay for a ticket to see the Knicks. He should get in free. You know, but he came and he was sitting down and, you know, by himself. He wasn't bothering him. Now, he wasn't sitting far from James Dolan, but he wasn't bothering him. And then, you know, they come and rough him up and throw him out. Um, so, yeah, I Draymond, you know, making that statement from the other side of the country about a team and an owner that he does not know. Uh, nah, you can't do that. You just can't. And, you know, it, it, you, poor cho- choice of words. But I think what he wants is is the same thing that all of these players want. They want these owner, And we've seen this in these, you know, CBA negotiations and and, and strikes and stuff like that. Um you know, these players, they want the respect from these owners. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. They know that they're going to be paid comp- and compensated heavily uh, and play well, you know, but they want the respect as men, as businessmen. And, I don't, and at the end of the day, if they're playing for you, they don't feel like that's too much to ask for. And so Oakley, while he's entitled to his opinions about the Knicks, about Dolan, about the direction of the franchise, I mean, hell, he's one of the players to help build, you know, what they have in, the, in Madison Square Garden. I think you got to show a little bit more respect to a guy like Charles Oak. I just do. I mean, you can't, you know, that could have handled, that could have been handled a whole lot better than it should have been handled. So, but yeah, so that's going to do it for us. It is, we are coming to the end of the podcast. Time for our closing thoughts. Uh, Ken, you want to give us your closing thoughts?
2: Oh man. Um. wow. Sage steals. Oh my God. Um, I'll be brief. Um you're black. There's nothing you can do to change it. Um it would help if you didn't constantly beat down black people. Um you have a black dad, you have a black family. Black people do good stuff. We're not all bad and evil just because people call you names and stuff on Twitter say still you know um, and your kids they're gonna be black and and they're gonna have to deal with hopefully they won't have to but it's possible they're gonna have to deal with stuff. So you know while there are things to criticize about um, black people, there's things to criticize about white people and every single race if you want to. But just just be mindful of some of the things that that you say. You have a, a, a voice and people listen to you and it would be nice to hear you say something positive about black people every once in a while. I'll just leave it at that.
0: No doubt. No doubt. What about you, FIFO? Uh, closing thought.
3: The NBA needs to make the All-Star game more meaningful. So that way we can get that competitive balance, man. Because as a fan, I love the NBA. If there's a basketball game on, I don't care who's playing. It could be the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, I watch the whole game, <laughs> but I watch part of the game. And when you have the best collection of basketball talent in the world, you want to see those guys at least go somewhat at it. So I challenge the league to do something. Make that game more meaningful down the road in the season. I don't know. Maybe you get home court advantage. I I don't don't know what you do, but you guys got to get creative to put a better league is always progressive. They're always forward thinking. I think that they'll figure it out but they need to do something to make this game a little bit more meaningful because when you go back and you look at the greats that participated in this game, the way these greats are playing is slightly disrespectful to how they played the game. So again, I just challenged the league to try to figure out this all-star game situation.
0: No doubt. No doubt. What about you, B? Um,
1: I was talking to Ken about this earlier. Um, I find it, if we wasn't recording though, but um, I find it very funny that, you know, people always complain about Floyd Mayweather fights. Floyd Mayweather fights. Floyd Mayweather, oh, he's so boring. He's so boring. Why every time when someone talks about fighting Floyd Mayweather, everyone wants to see it. The media <laughs> hypes it up. And then the same media that hypes it up and be excited about watching the Floyd Mayweather fight. It's the same media that dogs him out every time after he wins saying how boring of a fight Floyd Mayweather. Oh, I can't believe I wasted my money. Or I can't believe, the, you know, the, us media wasting our time with Floyd Mayweather. And then, you know, a, a year and a half later, they begging Floyd Mayweather to fight somebody else. Oh, you know, we need this Floyd Mayweather fight to happen. Oh, he needs to fight Conor McGregor. The fact that people think that Conor McGregor has a chance is crazy to me in the boxing ring. Now, if it was in the octagon... Of course, Conor McGregor would kill him. But in the in the boxing ring, something this is what Floyd's been doing his whole freaking life. Y'all really people really think they hyping up that Conor McGregor has a chance when this dude's sparring with guys that's nowhere near as skillful as Floyd and he's still getting hit. So yeah, I just find it interesting that you know folks complain, whine and whine, but then once is. You know, he, Floyd is really the true last superstar left in boxing. I mean, I mean, who else is attracting, you know, putting up the numbers that Floyd is putting up? Rather, you call him born, not the dude is putting up the numbers, man. It, it, it's crazy. So he's really the true last superstar in boxing, man, and no personality, no one is is going, is doing what Floyd has done in boxing over the last 20 years, so that's all I got to say, man. Y'all, y'all whine, y'all cry wolf <laughs> and stuff, and then y'all want him to fight again. So
0: make up your damn minds. No doubt, no doubt. Um, my final thought, man, uh, on this past Saturday, uh, a Facebook page called the St. Louis Cardinals True Fans linked the story uh, with an attention-grabbing headline. The headline read, quote, Cardinals outfielder expresses discontent with President Trump. Within two minutes, uh, there was over a hundred comments, uh, and the comments, you know, were very, very, you know, mean-spirited, uh, aggressive, racial. Most of them told him, you know, keep your mind on baseball. "Quote: Nobody cares. Uh, nobody knows what your political views are." "Quote: Shut up and play." Um, these were the uh, these were directed at the Cardinals' new uh, outfielder. Uh, Dexter Fowler, Dexter Fowler, uh, the Cardinals signed in the offseason for eighty two point five million dollars. Um, keep in mind, the only thing that, and I'm going to read to you what Dexter Fowler said. He didn't criticize President Trump. What he said was, quote, it's huge, especially anytime you're not able to see your family. It's unfortunate. Close quote what he was talking about was his sister-in-law who his wife, first of all, his wife is from Iran. His sister-in-law lives in Iran. And he said that, you know, with the potential of this travel ban, that he would not be able to see some of his family is, you know, the marriage side of his family that is in Iran. And so my question or my statement to, you know, these quote unquote baseball fans, these purists from the St. Louis Cardinals from this website, um, and I, read, and I read just some of the comments. I mean, like, everybody was telling him to shut up, you know, just play. I, what I want to know from these people are, you know, is this. How would you feel if that was your family? You know, never mind the fact that it's not or, or that Dexter Fowler has a family. You know, do you care more about the player or do you care about the team? I don't think that these fans sometimes, and I understand, yeah, and we see it all the time. People get in comment sections and just feel like they can say whatever they want to say. Half of these people would not say that to Dexter Fowler if he was standing in front of them. The sad part about it is some of these folks are so racist that if Dexter Fowler was Dexter Jones, they wouldn't be within 10 feet of him. All I'm going to say is this if you're okay, with a guy like Tom Brady riding for the person in the White House, then surely you can be okay with an athlete who speaks out against the person in the White House. Because we just endured eight years of that. You can't have it both ways. Now, if you want to have a serious discussion, I think you probably want to get past the headlines. Because I read to you what the quote the Dexter Fowler had to say. He didn't say anything. But he didn't even mention the president by name. And these people saw a headline, and they ran with it. And St. Louis Cardinals calls themselves America's fans. Sounds like a bunch of races to me. That's going to do it for us for this week, for Ken, for B, for FIFO. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace.